Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Platinum Sombrero. I am your host, Dylan Short. With me, as always... My other host, the what's the what's the correct word here? The the other half of my podcast self, I guess. Doc Herbert. Doc, it's good to see you, buddy. You too, man. How's it going? Well, we were talking before the show. It's a little tiring. Uh, should also mention our show, as always, brought to you by Armchair Media and our friends at MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the number one place to go for any and all sports book needs. If you like to place a little bit of money on the World Series or college football or the NFL or basketball, which just started back up, or hockey, which is still going on, or soccer, which MLS playoffs are starting and the Atlanta United are getting underway, whatever it is that you like to gamble on, MyBookie.ag has your lines, is what I'm trying to say to you. And if you use our promo code armchair, they're going to give you $1,000, uh, up to $1,000 of free matching. So if you put in you put in 1000 bucks, they put in $1,000, you are good to go. You got $2,000. MyBookie.ag, home of the greatest lines, most updated prop bets, and the greatest customer service from any of the online sportsbooks, mybookie.ag. Play, win, and have a great time. So, full disclosure, Doc and I have been talking a little bit this week before coming into this episode. We knew this was going to be a little bit of a tighter episode because of stupid work and, and what they've got me doing. Um, so we're, we're joining you in the morning, and this is a totally different Dylan, as you can tell from that read. This is a totally different Dylan that you get in the mornings from opposed to the afternoon. I am very much a night owl. Uh, my brain doesn't really want to work very well in the morning, but we're going to endeavor to bring you as good a show as, as humanly possible. Luckily, Doc carries the show like always. <laughs> hey, man, no promises. That's, that's a lot of pressure right off the jump. But I tell you what, for anybody who's just now tuning in, Dylan and I have been talking for probably about half hour, 45 minutes. This is the this is the non-groggy version of, of Dylan that is 
that is talking right now. So uh, we'll see how the how the next hour or so <laughs> unfolds. Stay tuned. You'll you'll see how everything goes. This is totally me faking it right now because I do just want to lay back down and go back to sleep. But we have too much to talk about. And first up on everything. This World Series, I didn't think it was going to be a particularly close World Series. Um, I feel kind of weird that I'm enjoying how close it is. Like, I'm not supposed to want to root for the Nationals. But, Doc, you brought up something to me on the phone earlier this week that makes a ton of sense. And I think you're kind of winning me over to your side. For those of our listeners who are now super angry at us for saying that we're rooting for the Nationals, tell them why. Well, you can look at it from from two different perspectives. One, um, the Astros, it, this whole this newest scandal that they're embroiled in with the, with Brandon Taubman and the targeting of the the female reporter who is an advocate against domestic violence. This is just the newest in a, in a long string of scandals for them. You know, there was the are they stealing signs uh, during the ALCS? There's this whole dust up with Justin Verlander and the the reporter from Detroit who is not allowed. Uh, into interview and then a couple years ago it was the Yulieski Gurriel making fun of you Darvish thing and then before that it was Chris Correa former Astros employee hacking into their database like even when even when they're on the receiving end of of bad things happening it's still it was still one of their own so there's that aspect but then when you look at this Nationals team you know I think that you can make the case for when you go into the 2019 season it was pretty underwhelming what the Braves did, but you could make the case to where they just looked at it and they said, you know, I don't think we need to necessarily do a whole lot to fight off the Phillies, even when they signed Bryce or to to fight off the nationals because they, they lost Bryce and even adding Patrick Corbin. I think they, the Braves front office thought they had the better team, but now we're about to go into the 2020 season. And I think that it's going to be really eye opening for the Braves front office when they say, okay, we won the division, but the another team from our division wound up getting hot at just the right time. And now we're going to go and we're going to hang our 2019 NL East champions banner while the nationals are looking like they're going to hoist the world series banner. And it's already going to be an important off season if this hadn't happened. But now when you're looking at it and say, even after having won 97 games this year, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to waltz back in or repeat the division. So I think that this is going to be a humongously eye-opening thing for the Braves front office for the Nationals to win. Yeah, and the more that I think about it in that way, the more I agree with it. Because I, I do agree that the Braves for last offseason basically said, we're the division winners, everybody has to chase us. And I think I think it affected the type of players that they went after and how aggressive they were in free agency. And Everybody's been wanting uh, Atlanta and Liberty Media, by extension, to get more aggressive in free agency as far as bringing in free agents and, and opening up the payroll. And not much else will do it other than being the last team in your division to actually win a World Series. So in that respect, um, Washington could actually help the Braves by winning a World Series. Now, also, it should be noted that this is also just finding the lemonade in the batch of lemons that squirted you in the eye because nobody <laughs> but nobody wants to be the last team in their division to have actually not just won a World Series but won a playoff series, um, which is disgusting to have to say. But I, I this offseason, there's going to be a lot of really good free agents that we've talked about. It's not an insane amount, but the ones that are good are, are really good. And it's not just yes, money Grandall, who everybody's going to be after. There's a lot of pieces here that can help this Braves team, but only if Liberty media and, and Alex Anthopoulos by extension decide to open up the payroll a little bit, 
So in that instance, good for Washington. Um, you were talking before the show about this Washington team is just a different team. It's just a team that you actually enjoy watching. You don't have the you don't have the same hatred of them that uh, that you do for say Philadelphia or the Mets. A lot of it's because you loved the Expos. Um, don't know why you loved the Expos, but you did. And another is because they've got some some really rootable players, particularly guys like Juan Soto and Max Scherzer, who are just really hard to hate. I mean, if you're going down the list of people that you just hate on the Nationals, really the only one that you can come up with that you definitively hate because of him is probably Strasburg. And then also Trey Turner because he kills the Braves. But really, that's it. They're a very likable bunch. It's hard to, to look at them through the the lens of, of not being a rival in situations like this. Like once uh, once our rooting interest got eliminated and the, the sting kind of wore off, like I, I did not watch a lot of the of the championship series for, for either league. I watched watched some, but it was hard. And now now it's the World Series and, and all you really pull for at that point is just good baseball. And from that perspective, I mean, the capacity for good baseball with for as many amazing players as there are and as many kind of sub stories as there are going on. It's it's just these are two teams that were really bad for a long time and then kind of proving that the rebuilding really does work and staying in the doldrums and, and building around the, the players that you draft high in the first round. Like I was thinking last night during the at that when it was Strasburg against Correa, you know, that's that's two number one picks. And then Garrett Cole was also a number one pick. He's in this and you've got some of the the giant marquee pitchers like uh, Verlander and Scherzer and Grinky and, and all these different guys. I mean, it's. It's a really interesting series from the perspective of just being fascinated by good baseball. And, you know, and even for everything that I had said about the, the Astros before with the kind of the organizational stuff that they always seem to be facing, they have a lot of really, really likable players, too. And on, on this Nationals team, like, I like Trey Turner when he's playing anybody but the Braves. I like Steven Strasburg just kind of in general like and but but seeing what he's done and where he's gone from a guy that was really inconsistent during the regular season and then um just kind of in general for years and years not even necessarily for for 2019 and then he shows up and his strikeout to walk ratio now is literally 40 to 1 in the playoffs like what that is you can hate the guy all you want but that right there i'm giving credit where it's due they have done every single thing that you expect them to do and you don't just go to Houston and beat Garrett Cole like nobody beat Garrett Cole for the longest time and then you go and you hang 12 on Houston in game two some of which came against Justin Berlander and some some of which came against a very very good bullpen I, I would not have been surprised coming into the series to see the Astros just sweep them and now it's looking like the Nationals are up 2-0 going going back home we have we as Braves fans we have very negative connotations sometimes of what that means because 17 out of the last 18 times where somebody went up 2-0 they wound up winning the Braves are the one exception to that rule Uh, I know I know this this team you you, it's funny you take Bryce Harper off of this national team and all of a sudden they become much less intimidating from that fret boy douchebag factor, which is weird because I like Bryce Harper and, and I don't, I feel like, a, you know, I'm assigning a lot of negativity to him and there's a lot of people gloating about, you know, how hated he is. And as soon as you take him off the team that they're going to win their first world series. And it's interesting, but the truth is it doesn't really have anything to do with him. No, and I think I don't he's know. handled it pretty well, by the way, because everybody's obviously asking him about it, and he's just saying, yeah, good for them. I want them to be able to win it, and you know, he's saying all the right things. I, I, I hate talking about the Nationals. Like, I don't hate the Nationals team the same way that I hate the Phillies or I hate the Mets, but they do annoy me, and it's I don't, 
they annoy me with a lot of stuff. Like their whole best team since May 24th thing was really annoying. It was kind of stupid because the season started before May 24th. But they do have a lot of players that that make me wonder why they weren't a force earlier on. And I'm not going to say it was because of Bryce. Like, do you think Max Scherzer cared at all about what people thought about Bryce or about whether people in his own locker room hated Bryce? I'm pretty certain that Max Scherzer doesn't know people's names when he's actually out there starting. It's like a different, like a totally different personality pops onto him. Max Scherzer is a cyborg. You know, he, he's I mean, a, a psychopath. He's a, he's a straight up psychopath. Well, in the same way we talk about Soroka bot and how he's our he's our completely mechanical robotic pitcher. I mean, it's like that's how it is for the for the Nats as well with uh, with Scherzer and you know for for the Nats and starting with the the May twenty fourth thing. I mean, Trey Turner was was injured for a, a big chunk of the early part of the season. They they get him back then, and that's kind of when things when things took off for them. So, I mean, an arbitrary starting and ending points. For stuff like that, you know, it's it's easy to to look at something and say, since his third at bat on on May the third through his second at bat on on July the twenty seventh, you know, Ronald Acuna did did this amazing thing because it fits the narrative and you can you nobody's telling you where you can or cannot draw arbitrary ending or starting points on something. So, if anybody ever says you know starting on May twenty fourth, that obviously tells you that everything up till May twenty third was a catastrophe you know what i mean so as long as as long as you're cognizant of of why the those lines are being drawn exactly where they're drawn then it's somewhat acceptable i mean it's not like we the braves weren't doing the same thing because you look at the season up until may 10th you know and everything sucked you move acuna back to lead off you and then you've got your okay here's where we'll, where we'll start the the conversation so we all do it but we just like to make fun of them because because we it, can it, because we can yeah like we're we're supposed to hate them but I'm running out of reasons to hate them you know I'm hating someone because you're supposed to is weird and I feel like I'm supposed to hate them but you know once you start getting past that then it's like you know they're they're still likable and I hate it I've had people Nationals fans finding old tweets about you know Nationals have never won a playoff series and they're retweeting and liking these things and I'm like. Okay, I guess I deserve this. You know, you you make you make fun of somebody for the longest time, and then they overcome that type thing. And it's like this goes back to what everybody was talking about um, earlier this season about Braves fans and criticizing the front office and all of those old takes being retweeted. To a certain point, when you live, when you tweet something and it just lives in perpetuity on the internet. I mean, if it's there to be accessed, then you have, that's the risk you take for saying things like that. I guess. Yeah. Also, funny though that the people that retweet all the old takes were suspiciously silent when the Braves failed in the postseason. Well, yeah, you know, you can only gloat for, for a certain amount of time. You, ha- you have to pray something like that holds up. So so we'll see. I mean, and, and it's not like the World Series is over. I mean, Houston Houston is beastly. You know, they still won 107 games during the, during the regular season. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that they could do what the Nationals did for the first two games and, and march into into their home and, and take a couple and make this series real interesting quick because, you know, they still have Altuve and Bregman and Correa and yeah, da, 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 da. they still basically the entire Astros lineup hits like the um, hit like Mike Trout for <laughs> for the entire season. So, um, man, I'm, it's not over yet, but it's. It's getting there and having. You know, I think they're going to roll out Sanchez for game three and then Corbin for game four, which you still get to rest Scherzer and Strasburg. Yeah, so they you can, can go bring out them come out of the, You can bring either one of them out of the bullpen if you need to. 
Yeah, I know. And, and I get the feeling that if it's, if it's game four and the nationals are about to, about to clinch about to sweep, it doesn't matter if Scherzer, they will use him to get that final out. You can say what you want about the, the Nats bullpen and having Fernando Rodney on the playoff roster and Daniel Hudson and that, that whole deal. Uh, saw Tanner Rainey throwing throw the other night. Get Max Scherzer in to close that out because that's that's slamming the door. That's absolutely slamming the door. So I don't know. We still got uh, it could be over by this weekend. And then starting next week, we we can start doing like our actual offseason prep and we'll bring back the free agents uh, prediction contest, which we both just did horrible at this past year. So hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have better luck when we start doing that. Yeah, I mean, um I I hope we do, but it's it's going to be a weird thing. And it is. Kind of, I do think you're right that it does kind of it kind of hinges on what the Nationals do here. Uh, should they win, then then maybe uh, maybe we get a couple more of the players that we would like to see the Braves sign, uh, as opposed to just bringing back the entire same squad. But in other news today, there's some other stuff to talk about. Just aside from the World Series, although it does seem really weird that Washington just and didn't just go in and beat Houston, but went in and handled them, uh, put up a ton of runs on, on a really really good pitching staff, top to bottom. But the Sporting News, one of the publications that always likes to do some awards, uh, they gave out their awards this year. Uh, they gave out their awards this this week, and Kevin Cash, no surprise, winning AL Manager of the Year. I think we could all see that coming. Uh, I think he's the best manager in baseball, easily. Um, But the National League, a little bit interesting. Two Braves get mentioned. Josh Donaldson is the NL Comeback Player of the Year. Um, Again, not super surprising when you see that he missed most of last year and he had a really solid year this year. But the Manager of the Year one's a little bit tricky. Brian Snicker wins the Sporting News NL Manager of the Year, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, so I'm going to defer to you to start this one off. Do you think that's a good call? Do you think that's more based on the Braves winning 97 wins and taking a look at what the predictions were before the season. What do you, what do you think? I think that's about right. Cause it, it's everybody saw that MLB network graphic where it was, you know, the Braves weren't chosen to win the division or the, or the wild card by like anyone, literally anybody. So, and then by going the way, out, hold on, hold on. Breaking news. The Padres have hired Jace Tingler as their next manager. So looks like wash will be back in Atlanta. Oh, that's fantastic. Unless he news. unless he becomes some dark horse for the Mets job. Oh god, is he the bombshell candidate? Uh I don't I don't know. I'm hoping not because it looked like he was going to be the Padres manager, so hopefully Wash can come back. I know the team would love to have him back. Yo, no doubt. No doubt about it. He's a he's a really good influence in the clubhouse. But you know, the Braves poached um interdivisional coach last year when they got Rick Granitz from the Philly. So it would be very messed to follow suit there. Um, but yeah, so you had a, a, a lot of people were, were just convinced the Braves were going to do nothing this year. And then they went out and there was a real chance that they were going to win a hundred this year. So I think that if the Brewers had been able to overtake the Cardinals in the central, I think you could, could have seen a stronger push for Craig council there. But I mean, it's not, uh, Snit is a good manager of men. We've talked a, a bunch of times that his ability to manage people is better than his ability to manage situations, which is not to say that he's bad at situations, but he's really, really good with people. So I can't say that I'm, I'm particularly surprised by this. I, I think that um, I think that as long as he continues to have that 
super good old boy reputation, which I don't see any any scenario where that's going to wind up getting shaken. As long as the Braves don't totally implode, he'll always kind of be a candidate for something like this. I don't know that I would say that Snickers is the manager of the year. And it's not just me being mean to Brian Snicker. I don't think he did the regular season. I don't think he did as good a job this year as I was expecting him to. There was a lot of like, there was a lot of disappointing things. I mean, the the talk of how the team's not built to give people days off, the the veterans receiving no time off, and as the year went on, they got less and less rest, which to me, like, which was the weirdest thing ever that you went the exact opposite way. Uh, Craig Council, if you just go by by wins added or wins that you weren't supposed to get. Um, Craig Council was the leader by a lot in that in that regard. And Craig Council had a good case to win it last year as well. I kind of thought he should have got it this year. Now, this is sporting news, not BBWAA. Uh, that's the official one. So we'll see how they come out with it. Um, but for, for Braves fans, it's another feather in the cap. If, if you want to look at it on the one hand, on the other, it's, you know, another disappointing testament to what happens in the postseason here. Um, but what did you feel about Donaldson? Was there really anybody else that you could have said was was the comeback player of the year aside from Donaldson? Since they break it up into leagues, I mean, the only person that I could I could really see on the other side was, was Lucas Giolito as, as being like somebody who had a really, really legit shot over there. Um, I, I think... You and I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Anthony Trarig over at Talking Shop. God, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, you know, he had he had written a really awesome article about how the, it was kind of like a shoe in, and I and we had talked about how that's pretty much absolutely right. And going from being being injured and and having a lot of people down on him, having to take the pillow contract contract that he took, and then coming out and coming pretty close to hitting 40 homers and putting up solid defense. I mean, I, that's all day all day with that. And and once you start getting trophies and accolades and stuff, and like you said, this is, this is sporting news, not BBWAA. So this isn't the official one, but this is pretty logical to me. And man, I am hoping they bring him back. I know that there's some other scenarios that are, that are floating around out there, but what a perfect fit he was for this team. We'll talk about those scenarios more next week, but for now, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to dip into the mailbag. So you guys get to hear what you said to us earlier this week and our takes on it just like we did with the twitter video only this time it's just going to be voice operated trust me this morning you'll thank us for it we'll be back right here on the platinum sombrero this week's episode of the platinum sombrero podcast is brought to you by edgar Allan potpourri want to freshen up your bleak existence try new edgar Allan potpourri the avant-garde line of room freshening essence with new scents like annabelle lemon and cherry pit in the pendulum you'll be able to fend off that gothic sense of impending death and you'll smell great doing it. Quoth the Raven, this room smells fantastic. Edgar Allan Potpourri. Patent pending. Hey folks, welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero. Coming at you on a Thursday morning, which is a different time zone for me. You'd think I'd be used to this thing, as this is when I go in at 6A to the fan. Well, luckily, 
I don't have to do this all the time. That's one of the good things about a podcast is you can kind of record whenever you want to record. And for Doc and myself, it's usually afternoon where I'm bright and vibrant and loving, as you all know and love, uh, as opposed to the mornings where I'm cranky and creaking and popping like an old man. But none of you care anything about that. What you do care about, though, is that Doc and I have finally set up our next Patreon episode. Uh, that will be next week's episode. Doc will be making the announcement of who is our patron of the month. So make sure you're tuning in on the Twitter sphere. That way you can see the video. And if you are selected, we will get in contact with you. And you'll have yourself a good old time with us. It'll be it'll be a different episode. It'll be the first time we've had a patron on for just an off-season episode. So that'll be fun. Uh, if you guys want to enter in your chance to become a patron of the month and do an episode with us, you just go to our Patreon page. Doc, tell them where it is. That is at www.patreon.com backslash TPS underscore podcast type the underscore do not spell out the underscore um we've uh we've had some really good success with our get to know a patron episodes and looking forward to doing another one so uh yeah you've got till probably we'll say tuesday morning uh, to throw your hat in the ring we'll make the announcement and uh yeah we'll, we'll whoever wins come on have a big old time talk some baseball uh set your sights on some free agents for the uh for the upcoming off season play some extra innings we'll ask you some ridiculous questions whatever it'll, it'll be a grand old time we'd love to we'd love to hear from you guys absolutely we do it, it makes it a whole lot more fun and it saves us on content that we have to come up with which is a win-win situation you guys don't <laughs> want to hear us with bad content and Sometimes we don't have enough stuff to, to make content about, especially in the offseason. So you guys should have a lot of fun this offseason for those of you who are patrons of the Platinum Sombrero. Also, really do, on a serious note, want to say thank you to those of you that donate money to the show. Um, it, it's really cool. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we do spend a lot of time doing this show, so it is nice to know that some of you are, are uh, very willing to to donate for the time that we spend. Uh, brings us all close together. So thank you guys so much. We really do enjoy it and appreciate it. But here, here. <laughs> but away from the mushy stuff, back onto the baseball stuff. Um, what do you want to start with this segment? I mean, we've got all these mailbag questions. Which, by the way, I got to say, I love doing mailbag stuff. It's it's a lot of fun, especially. I think we should do those a lot more this off season. Um, but who do, who do you want to give the the credit for the first question to? Which of our which of these questions gets to have the distinction of going first? Uh, I think let's roll with um, with our our buddy uh, Jordy Phillips, who who uh, holds the d- dubious distinction of having been the only other uh, host in Platinum Zabero history from back when I was in Italy back in May. Uh, he is at Jordan is a brave. He's an awesome dude, and he asks us, "What are your honest predictions for my son Sean Ace Newcomb next season? Will he be a fixture in the rotation, the bullpen, or otherwise?" Jordy. Thank you. Wonderful question. Dylan, you want to go first on, on this one? Yeah, because everybody kind of knows my thoughts on Sean Newcomb. I'm never going to forgive that he was the guy that was traded for Angleton Simmons. Um, and because of that, he might have gotten a slight unfair shake from me. Um, I also didn't like the fact that he was older and had control problems. But I think I think Newcomb showed you last year that he's he's matured. Um, he, he did so well out of the pin for, for most of the year, all but like the last month where all of a sudden the last month he kind of fell apart. But because the rest of the young guys kind of fell apart, whereas when Newcomb started the year, I don't think he had a, a stronghold on the job anyway because he didn't have a particularly great rookie year, but it wasn't horrific. Um, I think they expected a little bit of him coming into this one. 
they expected enough to think Max Fried was going to be their bullpen guy. But as soon as Max took off, that kind of left Sean in kind of this no man's land. And unfortunately, he fell behind Kyle Wright. He fell behind Tuki Toussaint. He fell behind Bryce Wilson. Um, he, he fell behind all three of those guys and, and had to work his way back to it. So he got bumped to the bullpen. He went down to spend uh, about a month in AAA, came back, was really, really solid out of the bullpen, was giving you good innings, Was was uh, seemed to figure out some of his stuff. Well, luckily for Sean and unluckily for the Braves, I guess you could say, the three that were supposed to battle it out and take his place all imploded. They all fell flat on their face. So I really do think Sean gets an opportunity as the starter again. I still think they think of him as a starter. Um, I think he, I think he's matured enough to where he could, he can hold a rotation spot. A lot of the question is going to be: Is he a guy that can go two and three times through an order, or is he a guy that is best served one and done? And a lot of that's going to have to do with his, with his, uh, with his curveball. While it looks pretty with the big looper, it's not particularly spinny. It's not a particularly hard breaker. It's not like Max's at all. So if he's going to be a starter in a long-term starter, he's going to have to drill that this offseason. And I have faith that he will. So I, I think to, to wind down an entirely too long summation, uh, I think Sean Newcomb is the number five starter for the Braves pretty much all of next year. He does kind of have the advantage of having been both a starter and a reliever before. So he's got starter stuff, and now that he's got that reliever mentality, like you heard Max Freed talk last season about how much his time in the bullpen benefited him uh, from a mindset standpoint. And Newcomb does have really good stuff. It's just there's nothing you can really point to about why he still kind of runs into control problems. Like his mechanics are fine. They're easy. They're It's easy 95, you know. So I think that he will also kind of have the advantage of Keuchel not – at least at present, unless the Braves go out and make a push to re-sign him, then there's going to be an opening not just for another pitcher in the rotation, but for another lefty in the rotation. So I think the job is his to lose in the rotation, but the good news is you've also seen that he can he can be effective in the bullpen. So if it doesn't wind up working out, then it could kind of be a, a rehash of the same idea of what can Tukey do, what can Wright do uh, in that starter role if you're kind of forced to, to put Nuke um, back in the bullpen. I also would not be surprised for Newcomb, and I, I don't mean to break anybody's heart here, but for Newcomb to possibly be a trade ship just because he's still got some potential. He's not so old that all of the shine has worn off of him. And when he's good, I mean, he's real, real good, but only when he's good, which is, which is not all the time. But you can still gamble on somebody like that. So when it comes time to possibly uh, upgrade and get somebody who's a little bit more of a sure thing for the rotation. You could, you could use Newcomb in a deal like that, or maybe trying to um, maybe the Braves decide to go after Chris Bryant or something. And for, for as many times as Newcomb got compared to John Lester, you know, put him on the same team and, and we'll see how alike they really are. It, it would not surprise me for him, for him to fit any number of roles uh, on this team or on any other. So that is the most vague answer I could possibly give. <laughs> Well, there you go, Jordy. Doc decided to be vague, and I was long-winded, but what else can you expect from us? Uh, next question is from our buddy David at the Braves. David asks us, uh, how many innings does Whiskers Enoah pitch for the Braves, and how does he do? <laughs> and in what role? Uh, Doc, do you want to start this one off? Yeah, sure. I'd love the, the nickname Whiskers for him. You know, even for, for as much as, as Tukey and Wright and Bryce 
struggled last year. And Noah came up, I guess it was like two and a half months into the season. And I mean, he's kind of right there on the cusp of, I, I think his role is reliever long-term, but he's, they still have him starting in uh, in AAA for a lot of it. Everything that he did in the big league level wound up being uh, as a reliever, you know, and he is Stuff. His arsenal looked just positively filthy when he pitched that game against the Nationals. It was like 15 to one at that that point. So he got the chance to come in and he was given the opportunity to fail. And he was erratic, but his stuff was electric. And then when he when he came in against the Brewers and gave up a grand slam to Christian Yelich, you you can forgive that. You know, a lot of a lot of people struggle against somebody like Yelich. So the stuff is there, and I think that uh, the opportunity will be there too. There's going to be a lot of pieces in the Braves bullpen that are that are turning over for next year, and you could see it in like a Jacob Webb type role. I don't know if, if he's necessarily going to come in and be be like a stopper or anything, or even an eighth inning guy because you, you do have Green coming back, you do have Melanson coming back, but somebody with with uh, that slider and the ability to throw 97, 98, which Noah has you got to play some big league bullpen if you can kind of find the plate. So uh, for how many innings uh, does he pitch for the big league club next year? I'm going to go 25 and two thirds innings. Okay. And How's that for not being vague? That That's pretty specific. Um, I think the, the big key for Noah is going to be the walk rate. And that, I think that's what kind of kept him from being a fixture in the major league bullpen last year, because he definitely has the stuff. But he doesn't always know where he's throwing it. And even when he's in the strike zone, he's erratic in the strike zone. So I think that's what they're going to want to iron out before they really turn him loose and, and really allow him. I think you're right. He's definitely going to be a reliever. Uh, even when he's listed as a quote-unquote starter, he's not a full starter. He's a piggyback guy. Uh, him and Weigel work together a lot down there. Uh, they'll throw four innings apiece in their outings or something like that. Um, I do think you'll see him up if you – I think he's also a pretty good candidate to be included in one of these trades as one of these throw-in type of pieces because he's got some really, really good stuff. He's got starter experience in the past. He's just not on the same level as some of the other starters in this Brave system. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to look at him and be like, hey, I can refine that 99, and, and there you go. It's really tempting when a guy throws 100 mile an hour to think you're the guy that can fix him. But he's also got the electric slider. He's got a good changeup, and when we were talking to Ben Chase, this is Ben's guy. Um, when he was up in Minnesota, he had like a six pitch arsenal that the Braves really whittled down. Like he's apparently he's got an incredible splitter that he just that the Braves haven't had him throw. So we'll see if he starts to reintroduce that as well. If he's going to be a starter, he's definitely going to have to reintroduce some of the breaking stuff. It's hard to just be slider fastball. Um, but I, I, I think you're right. I think he's a bullpen guy. I think he'll be a mid leverage type of guy. Um, I'm going to say he gets 30. You know what? I'm not even going to say 30. I, I think I'm going to say I'm going to say 27 and a third. We're dangerously close to playing prices right rules here. I mean, when you look at the system, man, and the only I mean, and this is just for for pipeline rankings. Noah is ranked 10th in the Brave system, which still, by and large, is a really really good system. And the only righties he's behind are uh, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, and Ian Anderson. So um, the, this list will shuffle, but he there's a lot of potential in that arm. So yeah, I, I could see him being a trade ship too. It's just kind of like a like a toss in or something. And last year, there I don't think any trades got made last off season, which is weird given Anthopolis's reputation for as many micro tweaks as he did during the season. I know it made but, uh, Andy very happy. 
I think you can, you're, you'll probably wind up seeing um, at least a couple of those wind up going down. And some of the prospects that we've held very tightly to are going to wind up going the way of Travis Demerit, Joey Wentz, and Tristan Beck and all them. Oh, Joey. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but on to the next question from our buddy, Nate McCullough. How we got long, two. Yeah, a two-parter. How long will Pache stay in AAA? And will AA get over the defense first thing and sign Nick Castellanos? Well, I will take this first one. Um, I have been told, and from somebody that I very much trust, that if Pache has another spring training like he did last year, he will spend no time in AAA. He will be on the big league roster. Uh, and if he's on the big league roster, he's going to be starting. Um I think that he can do it. I think uh, I, I think the offense still has some work to do, and it's it's definitely not at its ceiling. But the question is, is he better than Ender offensively? And if he has another spring training to show that he can still handle major league guys, I think you roll with him. Once Pache's up here, he's up here. His defense alone guarantees that he's he's always going to be starter level. Um, but he's got the big offensive ceiling, and a lot of people kind of. Lost it in translation because the only stats they really saw were his Gwinnett numbers. Um, and a lot of them saw Drew Waters and his Babbitt fueled and want to say that Waters is the closer one. The Braves don't feel that way, and neither do I. Drew is going to take a little bit longer, especially because they're going to want to get his strikeout rate under 40% before they bring him up here. They don't want to have him come up and do the Austin Riley thing. Um, but Pache, I think he's got a real shot. Now, as far as Nick Castellanos, um, there's an outside shot of that because I don't think Castellanos is going to command the same money as a lot of the other free agents on this free agent market. Uh, he's a really bad defender. Um, he's gotten somewhat better, but that's because it was really impossible for him to get worse. I, I do still think that's going to hold them back because Alex has shown you his MO, and he does not punt defense. So unless Castellanos can convince them or they can see something in his tape that shows that they can fix something, I think it's more outside looking in. I don't think Alex is at a point where he's just going to say, screw defense, let's just add offense. But Cassianos is one of those guys, if you're looking to replace, if they have to replace Josh Donaldson's bat in the lineup, then I think it gets a lot more likely that a guy like Cassianos is brought in. You would struggle to find two players that are so diametrically opposed on defense between Nick Cassianos and Christian Pache. You really would. The, the, when you start looking at options for the 2020 season, you know, Acuna is going to be there. He's like the only one that for sure is going to be there. You could make the case for Duvall. You can make the case for Ender. You know, Ender's still under contract for next year. He's making like seven and a half, eight million dollars. And that, that's a, that's a lot of money for, for somebody who has been as uneven as he has been. But when you sign a five-year deal, that's backloaded like Ender did a couple of years ago. This is where it's getting to the point to the part where it's much more player friendly than it is team friendly. And Cassianos, the bat is real, and the defense, it's it's not. And and you know we we had this talk last season about well maybe you move him out of Comerica Park and it'll get better because he doesn't have as much ground to cover, and then he winds up going to Chicago, which is considerably smaller, um, you know, and then you can blame it on the wind or or, or something. Maybe it's he was just really windy and he and he was having trouble picking balls up, but it's not like his defense got notably better uh he was a third baseman that moved to the outfield so there's still some room for improvement there but he might just be a bad defender across the board so when you take into account acuna ender duvall being good defenders pache coming hot on the heels and also being a really good defender i mean 
there's almost not a whole lot of space for Castellanos. And like, even if you're doing, you know, Acuna in center, Duvall in right, however, and then it's like you just kind of shade them a little bit. You're still asking a lot of of Acuna being in center to have to cover one and a half outfielders worth of range there. So it would be very tantalizing to sign him and just for the purpose of being that cleanup bat and saying we can deal with this for a year or two until the DH shows up. Because then once that happens, then that's when you start making the case. And the, and the DH is coming for the National League in the next couple of years, I'm sure. But you still have to absorb, say, say it's two more years, then you, know, you still have to absorb those, those two years of, of just having this horrible, horrible display of outfielding out there. So I don't necessarily know if he's the guy, but for a cost-conscious team that may not want to go like, I don't know, six years on Marcelo Zuna, who is clearly a better defender, but he's got injury history, and they might just wait it out for Pache because the biggest thing for Pache is going to be what ball they they use next year because we all know about the the golf ball they were using during the regular season and how they've gone back to the older ball in the playoffs. So if they go back to the old ball and you know some of the power that you started to see emerging out of him last year, as opposed to you know if they go back to the to the older ball from now on, then you know maybe the power is a little bit slower to develop. That was something that everybody knew could possibly be in there, and it's kind of fast tracked a little bit when you're when you're playing with with the tighter ball. So well, hold hold on, he wasn't using the tighter ball when he was hitting the home runs. It was double A. Because remember, we were su- we were super excited for Gwinnett because we wanted to see him hit the golf ball. That's true. That being towards the the back end of the season, he he did he did wind up hitting the grand slam in the playoffs, and I think he might have hit one other home run while he was up there. So I don't know. Maybe he was just tired. I'm brain farting. I haven't been paying attention to minor league <laughs> baseball in like two months. <laughs> this is totally my excuse. So so we will see. We will see there. So seeing him. Um, get get the chance to hit with with the triple a ball if it winds up being like what they use that could give you a much e- easier view towards him hitting 25 home runs as opposed to hitting 15 which a 10 home run swing for somebody who's already going to give you um stellar defense really good speed really good arm then you know that's the difference between somebody who's like a perennial all-star and just a really good role player Absolutely, and for those of you who who want to know something about what Pache could be, think Victor Robles with a better arm or a more accurate arm. I'll say that would be just fine. I think Robles is better as far as actually stealing bases because it takes Pache a minute to get up to full speed. But Pache is one of these guys that I I I am fully on the Christian Pache train. I think he's going to be a superstar. Um, but we do have to move along here. Our next question comes from our friend at Braves Anthony. If you were to advise a northerner to move to a southern state that still has a quote-unquote small town feel, where would that be? Keep in mind it also has to be a Brave-centric. Got to be for the move. Asking for a friend surrounded by Red Sox and Yankees fans. Um, Doc, I'm going to defer to you on this one. Every state's going to have like its, its own individual charm. I mean, maybe I'm biased. I've lived in Georgia for 27 years. Really like it here. And, uh, you know, I live, I live in, live in Forsyth County. So I'm about 40 minutes from the stadium, which is close enough for it to be convenient, but far enough away to where you're not dealing with the nightmare that is 285 all the time. I don't know what exactly your budget is. Anthony, thank you for the question, by the way, maybe like Alpharetta Roswell, you know what I mean? You're still, you can be in kind of like the, the hoity toity area and, uh, you easily can pay 750 grand for a house. 
out there, you know, you'll be surrounded with Braves fans everywhere. Like once you get south of the, south of the Mason Dixon line, you're going to be dealing with a lot of of Braves fans. And and props to you for living in Vermont and dealing with the Red Sox and Yankees fans. And you know, if the Orioles are any good, you might be dealing with uh, with some Orioles fans too. So come south. I'm in coming. Dylan is in Canton, somewhere somewhere in that range. You'd be like halfway between us. And if you're looking for small town, I think coming is closer than Canton these days as far as small town flavors. Uh, if this were five years ago that you were asking me, I would have told you Canton because it was a lot smaller. Now it's starting to boom a little bit. Uh, if you want small town, don't go to Alpharetta. You'll hate it. Um, but <laughs> uh, th- there's some places in in parts of Ackworth you have to be careful about which zip code of Ackworth you're in. Um, some spots in Woodstock, depending on if it's your 30188 or 89 zip codes, um, even some parts of Kennesaw where you can get away from the Barrett Parkway part of it and kind of get off to the side, and you can be fine there. Um, but, yeah, Georgia works well. Tennessee would work well. Almost all of Tennessee is Braves country. Um, North Carolina, you'll have to deal with a lot of Nationals fans, but uh, very pretty out there. Um, and also very cheap for, for the housing and things like that. North Carolina, not super expensive to live in, which is kind of nice as Georgia kind of ups and ups and ups. Um, but pretty much what Doc said, you get south of Virginia and everybody's a Braves fan. Uh, you get into Florida and literally everybody's a Braves fan because nobody sees the Rays, unfortunately, and the Marlins suck. Um, there, there's, there's, <laughs> plenty, there's plenty of places. I'm not any good with telling you about south of Atlanta. Um, I'm pretty much just as far as, as north or east of Atlanta go. Um, but good question. Hope uh, hope to see you come down here and escape the harshness of Vermont and those annoying accents from those Red Sox fans and even the Yankees fans too. But we are at our final question for the day. Doc, since you have been so good dealing with me this morning, I'm going to allow you to have the final say. Read this question, please, sir. Is this from uh, Dino? Uh Hey, Dino. Hey, Dean Eidson, our buddy Dean. Uh, Dean asks us if you could make an animal the size of a house and ride it into battle, what would you choose? Dylan, I'm going to let you go first on this one. This is such an interesting thing. There's so many ways that you could go with this. I mean, we're talking about do I want to strike fear in the hearts of everybody? Because if that's the case, I'm going to make a spider the size of a house. But then I also have to touch that spider, which I don't want to do. Um well, keep it. Yeah, you have to ride this thing into battle. So, um, yeah, something you'd be okay with touching. Size of a house, though, too. I mean, an elephant would be kind of cool. It'd be like one of those mumma kill in the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I mean, yeah. Or an oliphant. I'm sorry. Sorry, Sam Wise. Um, hey, careful with the pronunciation. <laughs> right. I'll have uh, I'll have some people yelling at me. You know what? I I think an ant. For a very simple reason. They're one of the strongest animals in the world. Like one of the strongest insects. In the- no, I changed my mind. Praying mantis. Size of a house with blades like the size of a freaking car. Yeah, that'll be my beast of war and everybody is screwed forever. Plus it can fly. That's a good call. I like the ant call too because if you're going like strength, um, not per capita, what am I, what am I looking for? Per like- pound or per, per weight. Yeah, ants ants are king, and um, even at the their their size for like lifting relative their own uh, body weight, which can be measured as they're like featherweights. Um, for some reason, I kept going for like water creatures. I don't even know if these qualify as animals. At first, I thought piranha because it's just like 
being on the other side and being like, is that guy riding a piranha? I'm just, I'm not sure. So you get kind of the, the WTF factor, but I think I landed on an octopus because you're just swinging tentacles around and it's like, it's like built in, um, built in weapons. You could do like a giant sweep across the, uh, across your enemies. They don't have like the hard outer shell though. So, um, picture like an octopus dressed as a knight. Can I do that? So you're going to have armor on your house-sized octopus? <laughs> when we first started that podcast, <laughs> tell me that that's a phrase that you ever thought that you would say. But yeah, I think I think I'm going to go with with octopus here. And I know that as soon as we get done recording this and I'm going to come up with something that's way better, but just just picture it. Like there's never like a there was never like a Trojan octopus or something. <laughs> so like a giant kraken. Yeah, yeah, that's terrifying. That is terrifying. I suppose it also depends on what the uh, what the battle is over, because I might I might choose to to ride something completely ironic in the battle. But for now, it's the octopus. Yeah, that's that's definitely different. It definitely has enough ink there to cover an entire city. That's a very thought provoking question. I don't know why that was the most thought provoking question that we've had basically for this entire episode, but let you know where our minds are at. So thank you, Dino, for giving us a good question. <laughs> oh man so yeah we will um i'm sad to see this mailbag come to an end so uh we will be doing another one of these um maybe we'll do like once a month during during the off season so uh thank you to everybody who got their questions in and if anybody who wants to have their voice heard on the platinum sobrero next week you can get your actual voice heard uh if you go to our patreon and sign up there so uh, inquire within for details absolutely Everybody, thank you guys so much if you made it to the end of this episode. Again, apologies that I've been a little bit off this morning. It just, I'm not great when I'm tired. I don't have the same riffing ability. But hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, as you can notice, we took it down a little bit. I'm not angry Dylan today for the first time in what seems like forever. So maybe the morning show isn't too bad an idea from that respect. But Doc, thank you for allowing to work with my uh, crazy work schedule here and, and getting up in the morning and doing this with me. Really appreciate you doing the show as always, buddy. Hey, likewise, and a special shout out to my dogs for having not freaked out once during this episode. There's a first time for everything. Very proud of them. They, yes. it, it's early for them, too. They didn't feel like getting on the show this morning. But thanks to your dogs. Thank you to everybody who sends, uh, sent us a question. And thanks to all you guys who listen all the time and are always you know, sending us little compliments or whatever. Really appreciate you guys. Um, let's get ready to get into this offseason. Next week, we'll come up with a little bit more as far as what we actually think free agent predictions will actually be. Uh, by that time, we'll know whether the Braves really have a fight on their hands as far as chasing the Nationals or not. So next week should be a little bit more fun, and we're going to work on getting some more good, some some more cool guests for the shows during this offseason. But whatever the case may be, we'll catch you guys next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Mm-hmm.